Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Monday, May the 21st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we remember quarterbacks of Dolphins past. Has the recent bad run on Miami signal callers jaded Dolphins fans? And staying on topic of the quarterbacks, we'll talk about two of the worst games from Ryan Tannehill's 2016 season as the Ryan Tannehill charting project rolls on. And we'll also revisit some of the best games of Tannehill's career. But before any of that... I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Let us know how you feel about the podcast. Let us know about stuff you want us to change, to do differently, to do better, and we'll try to make that happen for you guys. Also, give me a follow on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. The Ryan Tannehill Project is five weeks in. Going to get out some of the better games coming up this week, like the Steelers game, the Bills game, the Chargers game, the ones that we all want to look at. And then, of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, the Locked On Heat podcast, and Locked On NFL podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and get right into it. That's another Miami Dolphins. And before we get into the quarterback subject, which if you're a fan of the podcast, if you're a fan of the team, if you're a fan of Dolphins Twitter, and you're getting annoyed by all the quarterback talk, I just don't think it's going to go anywhere for a while. So buckle up and get ready for it because we have three months of air to fill both as fan sites, as blogs, as podcasts, all the Dolphins coverage guys are going to be doing a lot of stuff on the team over the next couple of months that don't have a lot of relevance in terms of updated news or topics. So for me, I'm going back over old stuff and trying to find out what I can get back into that gives me information about the team heading into 2018 that can help me decide what type of football team we have. And it starts with the quarterback. Ryan Tannehill is a big mystery and something that we all want to know what's going to happen to him both in preseason and camp and of course into OTAs. And before we get into the quarterback stuff for today, let's go ahead and talk about the OTA schedule. As it kicks off this week, tomorrow on Tuesday, May the 22nd through the 24th on Thursday. They're back at it again next week, May 29th through 31st, and then June 11th through June 14th. And then a mandatory minicamp will be on June 5th and June 7th. So it's always on Tuesdays through Thursdays. Four little sessions are going to have the team back together working out at the facility at Davie at Nova Southeastern University. And they're getting back together with some of their old teammates, meeting the new guys, the new coaching staff. A lot of these guys have new positional coaches teaching them things. So we're going to have plenty of coverage on that for you guys throughout the course of the next couple of weeks. I'll be covering each of those practices from the beat writers, from the tweet, the Twitter world, I should say, and just giving you an idea of what the Dolphins are doing on those practices, how they should be progressing, and just giving you all the updates on that. We're going to have written stuff as well from all the coaches press conference too on LockdownDolphins.com. So we're going to have you guys covered from wall to wall every Tuesday through Thursday on LockedOnDolphins.com as well as the podcast going over all that stuff. Let's go ahead and shift gears right back into that quarterback stuff because that seems to be what the first thing that everyone goes to this time of year when all the news dies down, when the draft is over, the rookie buzz is all gone, the offseason basically is over, no more player movement aside from a few trades here or there, possibly guys that get cut, maybe a June 1st signing, something like that. But for the most part, it's mostly quiet. And the first thing everyone goes back to is the quarterback play. And I've been hearing it on podcasts. I've been seeing it in columns. I've been seeing it on Twitter, talking about certain things that certain quarterbacks are ranked in certain areas or guys that should be able to do certain things 
things coming into this year that they couldn't do last year, whatever it may be, all these rankings and misnomers exist. And the one that really bothers me the most is the Andrew Luck misnomer, that he is so widely regarded as a top 10 quarterback, yet he hasn't thrown a football in something like 500 days. I know Ryan Tannehill's coming back off the knee injury, and everyone's concerned about him because he never had the good years that Luck had in terms of taking his team deep into the playoffs. So Luck is held to a different standard than Ryan Tannehill, so he gets those higher ranks. Like on the Around the NFL podcast, for instance, their rankings were all over the place. They had Carson Wentz and Ben Roethlisberger both above Drew Brees. They had Deshaun Watson above certain guys that, you know, he has the knee injury coming back. They aren't worried about his knee injury. They aren't worried about Carson Wentz's knee injury that happened in December, much less August from when Ryan Tannehill's happened. They aren't worried about Andrew Luck's shoulder, and they rank all these guys higher than Tannehill with this one concern about him is we don't know what he's going to be. And then one of the guys mentions, well, they were 7-1 and one the last eight games that he played. He says, well, that was 2016. That was two years ago. It's also the last time Andrew Luck played. So it just seems like there's this really negative connotation around the quarterback. And I wanted to get into it on the podcast today and basically dedicate the podcast to that. And I've been thinking about kind of age groups of Dolphins fans. I talked about on the podcast, I want to say Thursday or Friday. I can't recall specifically, but I, I think that a lot of the guys that we interact with on Twitter, and I'm sure a lot of my audience that is listening to this podcast right now is under the age of 25 or in their young 20s, maybe even late teens. And I just don't think that a lot of those guys remember how bad it was for so many years with this team. I see a lot of people that openly publicize that they are in their young 20s on Twitter and that Tannehill's kind of the only quarterback they've ever really known besides like Chad Henney and the Chad Pennington year in 2008 was like this fairy tale year that almost seems like the same way to those fans as the 1972 season seems to a fan like me who still hadn't been born or wouldn't be born for another 12 years after that. So you really don't have a good recollection of it. Shoot, I can't remember most of the games that occurred back in the 90s. My memory of a Dolphins fan really begins in the late, or I should say the, the early 2000s, maybe late 90s, when I really started kind of understanding the game better and could specifically start giving you details of certain games that I recall from that time. So we're going to get much more into this on the podcast. Buckle up because we're going to talk about the last 18 years of Dolphins quarterbacking next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. Rolling on into the second segment of the podcast here, the Monday, May the 21st podcast. And the reason we're talking about quarterbacks is the offseason. It's the dead period. We have a lot of content to fill. And that's the first spot everybody starts with. I am about halfway through the Ryan Tannehill charting project. So I just published weeks four and five. They're up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now. You can go ahead and check out all those pieces where I chart, graph, I make video cut-ups, I scout all the throws that he makes. I give you analytics and data about the certain throws to certain parts of the field of certain receivers. Everything you want to know is in those pieces for Ryan Tannehill's performance. And it really kind of got me to thinking that why do people think that he's such a bad player or just a player that you can really move on from and is a total afterthought in the league? And it really makes me wonder, do they not remember the Dante Culpepper and Joey Harrington year? Do they not have any recollection of Cleo Lemon? Are they so far removed from the Jay Fiedler, AJ Feely, and Chad Henney years that they don't remember that they were just as bad as Jay Cutler was this last year in 2017? So I wanted to go ahead and look at some of the numbers from those years, from those quarterbacks, and rank up the Dolphins quarterbacks in terms of where they rated in the NFL and passer rating. And I'll be the first one to tell you that numbers don't tell the whole story. You have to have context with it. So always take this with a grain of salt because I can 
can give you an idea to what quarterback numbers can look like beyond just how his teammates held up or the officials called the game, whatever it may be. I am one half through the week six charting of Ryan Tannehill versus the Pittsburgh Steelers back in 2016. And there were four touchdown passes that he legitimately threw that got called back or that did not get called the correct way or were dropped by a teammate. In the very first quarter, Devontae Parker drops a touchdown pass that would have been about a 26-yard strike for six points. Later in the game, Tannehill makes a sensational play where he breaks the pocket and throws it on the run down the field about 45 yards in the air to Marquise Gray, who clearly breaks the plane, gets into the end zone, sweeps his foot across the goal line. They rule him out at the one-yard line. The very next play, Tannehill makes another great play and throws a touchdown pass into the corner of the end zone. They rule it back because of an illegal formation from the Dolphins that really didn't make a lot of sense to me when I saw it at the time. And going back over the film, I don't think it's something you call again. So he had all three of those touchdown passes called off. And then on that same possession, he hits Deion Sims in the shoulder pad. Ball falls to the turf, incomplete. Field goal team comes on. So he loses four touchdown passes. I realize that three of those were on one drive. But it just gives you an idea that quarterback statistics don't always match what the play was because it can play a lot better than their stats will show. And you go back to the poor games, the Cincinnati and Tennessee games where you had 17 of 30 dropbacks included pressure in that Bengals game. In the Titans game, it gets even worse at 17 out of 24 dropbacks with pressure. But even in these games when nothing could go right, the offense couldn't get out of its way, he'd only have two or three inaccurate throws all game. And I'm talking inaccurate where he has a clean pocket, an area to step up into, an area to go ahead and go through his mechanics and put the ball on target and there are three or four plays where the quarterback is the reason the play didn't go right within the entire game so playing good quarterback in those games was really an untenable task something that just could not happen and some fans might say well that's why we don't like him because he didn't do enough in those certain plays that cost his team but I promise you I can pull up gifs of guys like Carson Wentz Ben Roethlisberger Philip Rivers possible Hall of Fame quarterbacks missing open receivers with the exact same or even greater propensity you go back to Carson Wentz's rookie year he was all over the place in the quote-unquote gimme throws. I can pull up Jared Goff's rookie year in 2016 when the Rams were a total tire fire and show you a player that flat out did not belong on an NFL field that year. What does he do this year? Comes back, works himself into the top five in NFL passer rating. So perhaps it has something to do with how available all this stuff is nowadays. You have the Game Pass available, Sunday Ticket, everything I said at the top. I don't think that a lot of the fans that are vocal, which are the ones that we hear the most from, obviously, by nature of the definition of the word vocal, the ones I see every day that constantly complain about Ryan Tannehill, I, I just don't feel like they have a recollection of what Dante Culpepper was in twenty in 2006 or what A.J. Feely was in 2004. Hell, Gus Farrakh got a lot of applause for what he did in a very mediocre 2005 season that he put together, basically because he could throw the ball down the football field. And then you go back to 2008, Chad Pennington may as well have had a statue built about him for the way some fans remember that year. And of course, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking crap about the 2008 season that was still the most fun year I've had as a Dolphins fan, which speaks both to how pathetic our team has been, as well as to how much fun that season was with the Wildcat. And he ranked second in the NFL in passer rating that year, was second in the MVP voting. But people acted like he was some kind of pariah and difference maker. And while he could make good reads, process information, and get the ball to the right spot, he just was a lacking quarterback in general. But besides Pennington, besides the one year that Farrat had that people seemed to really inflate what it really was, what were the other quarterbacks like in terms of their NFL passer rating? So I went through, wrote it down, and we're going to talk about it right now. From 2000 to 2003, Jay Fiedler was the primary quarterback, so four years there. In those four years, he had a 75.4 rating in 2000. That was 24th best. In 2001, 80.3 was 13th best. In 2002, he was 16th best at 85.2, and then 2003 came back down to earth a little 
little bit more at 72.4 was 23rd in the league. So over four years, Jay Fiedler was the 19th overall rated passer in terms of average year, not his passer rating in general, but where he ranked every year, he averaged ranked 19th in the league in passer rating. 2004 was A.J. Feely as the primary quarterback. He had eight starts that year. He was 33rd, which was dead last on pro football reference that year. The next year, 2005, the Gus Farratt year I just talked about, he was 28th in the league with a 71.9 passer rating. Joey Harrington takes over for Dante Culpepper in 2006. He has a 68.2 rating, 29th in the NFL. Cleo Lemon the following year, 27th at 71. So we are now 19th with Fiedler, 33rd with Jay Feely, 28th with Gus Farratt, 29th with Joey Harrington, and 27th with Cleo Lemon. That was all before the Chad Pennington year happened in 2008. We are consistently one of the bottom five teams in terms of quarterbacking right after the Jay Fiedler era when he had a phenomenal team around him and could only muster up a 19th ranking there. 2008, obviously Pennington's 97.4 rating was second best in the NFL. And then Chad Henney for two years, 75.2, 75.4, ranked 22nd and 26th. So he averaged ranking 24th over a two-year span. Matt Moore comes in in 2011 and relieves Chad Henney, who gets hurt, I want to say it was week three, and plays most of that season. He was the 12th ranked passer at 87.1 that year. And then Ryan Tannehill took over. And in 2012, from 2016, he was the quarterback every single game up until 2017, or I should say the end of 2016, when Matt Moore came back in. And Matt Moore, based on the playoff game, the Patriots game at the end of the year, and then coming into this year, really proved that 12th overall passer rating was a little bit more of a farce. And of course, it was also five and six years ago as well. But Ryan Tannehill, 2012, didn't have a good year in terms of passer rating, 27th best in the league, 76.1. 2013, 81.7, again, 24th. But then he starts to kind of turn it around. In 2014, 92.8. He is the 14th highest rated passer. In 2015, again, a little bit of a slide back, 88.7. 21st rated passer. And then 2016, 93.5 rating has 12th best in the NFL. For that five-year span there, he was an average of 18th overall in passer rating. And then you go to this year to Jay Cutler. He was 23rd in the NFL at 80.8. And I talk about passer rating as a function of individual play, but it really is more of a function of how good the passing offense in general was was and to me it's a credit to Ryan Tannehill that he was able to sustain even that level of success with the poor rosters he had if you go back and look at the charts of the Cincinnati and Tennessee games from 2016 that I'm talking about all episode here the the offensive lines just were not NFL capable those days that's how it was they were not good enough to play on an NFL field and you go back to the early 2000s and Jay Fiedler had Super Bowl quality rosters around him and all he could muster was a rating that wasn't nearly as good as Ryan Tannehill so it all just circles back to this idea that without Ryan Tannehill this team to me would have been about as bad as people seem to think that they actually are the last few years not the seven, eight, nine win team they have been, but really more realistically, the two and three, four win teams that everyone seems to think the Dolphins have been in recent memory. So this Ryan Tannehill project, though, I'll tell you, it's not just teach me about the player alone. It's taught me a lot about what we can expect from Adam Gaze's offense in 2018. And we'll touch on that as well as get back to Ryan Tannehill and talk about the best games of his career next Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkle NFL at Locked On Fins. One more segment here on the Sunday Night Podcast, the Monday Morning Podcast for you guys, Locked On Dolphins, and just kind of going over that last segment, looking at all the bad passer ratings, and even Ryan Tannehill's, man, it's been a rough stretch of passer ratings 
for the Miami Dolphins quarterback since Dan Marino left. So need a bit of a shot of whiskey after that one, I think. And we'll get back on the podcast here and talk about how some of these practical applications from the 2016 season can apply to the 2018 season. We'll do that really quickly here. Just a couple of things that I noted from a game where they started to kind of make some changes because of a lack of personnel, both on the offensive line and whatever it was, the Dolphins obviously made an uh, offensive scheme shift at week six in that Pittsburgh game. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was a 13 personnel set that they showed pre-snap and it just reminded me of Bill Barnwell's tweet saying the Dolphins are so poorly ran because they want to run some 13 personnel and I'm watching this play where they they show up in 13 personnel a heavy package all bunched in tight and then they shift to empty motion the running back out and they throw a touchdown pass it was the one that got called back that Tannehill had robbed from him on an incorrect call there but the ability to create those one-on-ones with tight ends or running backs is exactly what the Dolphins want to do in 2018 and they have the personnel to make it happen we've talked about variety over and over again between the personnel sets and how it can capitalize on the thing that Tannehill does best I just think it's going to show up more and more this year just like it has in some of the best games of his career which gets us on to the next point of a tweet that I saw today somebody asked me what I thought the best Ryan Tannehill game was of his career and I went ahead and listed the 2014 Chicago Bears game I watched it not that long ago I watched the replay of it both on the all 22 and the broadcast condensed version just to kind of get a feel for what the announcers were saying as well as the film and see where the ball was going he was making quick decisions. It was part of that zone read run RPO type offense that Bill Lazor ran. He was hitting tight windows. He was precise down in the red zone and on third down and just in general so accurate with the football, making big plays with his legs. But it reminded me of some of the other great games of Ryan Tannehill's career. And these are the ones I came up with. You guys can tell me on Twitter if these are the correct ones or the wrong ones or somewhere in between. So 2014 in Chicago. This is not in order, by the way. 2014 in Chicago. 2014 in Denver where they almost beat Peyton Manning in that record-breaking Broncos offense. The 2013 game against the New England Patriots. He had a great late comeback there. Three touchdown passes, no picks. Even though I argue he had some kind of rough moments in that game. Statistically, and getting the W really sticks out in a lot of fans' minds, obviously. Arizona 2012 I think he had 400 passing yards that day 2015 at home against the Patriots an irrelevant game that he really dazzled in there in week 17 to basically put the Patriots out of the number one seed and some people like to say that cost them a chance at a Super Bowl and then 2016 there's a lot of games in there from this this uh, season that I thought could have gone in here but I just put the San Diego game and the San Francisco game where he was so sharp the San Diego game obviously has the big highlight plays we all recall the San Francisco game just really good statistically really good per, on an efficiency and really good accuracy throughout that whole game so he's had a bit of a career where he's had some big time games we need to have more of those in 2018 and beyond to go ahead and solidify his spot as a quarterback long term for this team and that's going to go ahead and button up this Ryan Tannehill centric podcast and again I just want to urge you guys if you have any comments or suggestions for the podcast go ahead and get at me on Twitter at Winkfield NFL I want to make this show as best for you guys as I possibly can that's the beauty of this network and this freedom that I have with the network I can go ahead and ask you guys what you want to hear and go ahead and adjust the podcast accordingly that will do it for tonight's podcast be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts leave us a rating leave us a review check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL, follow the show at Locked On Fins, and follow our flagship show at Locked On NFL. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com for the Ryan Tannehill Charting Project. You guys have a terrific rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Now look at this. Madness the magnet keeps attracting me. me. I try to run, but see, I'm not that fast. I think I'm first, but surely 